And welcome to another fabulous episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Parmentier, here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And Billy Holiday. Hello there. And this week we're going to take on a, a style of a game we haven't really covered before, kind of. It's also a mishmash of other types, uh, with Young Merlin for the Super Nintendo. But until we get into that, Jeremy, what have you been playing since last time? Well, since I've been playing so much of Young Merlin uh, this past week, and... Uh, it's like Thursday or Friday. I'd played it for a good two hours straight and uh, just kind of slowly losing my mind over the, the course of that time. I I think I actually completely lost my mind and reinstalled World of Warcraft. <laughs> and I have not played World of Warcraft for a good seven or eight years at this point. Um, it may say something to how long I have not played because my uh, the highest level character I have was is uh, level 80. And that was the level cap back then. So I decided to kind of get back in there and, and see what I've missed out on. Because I played a lot of World of Warcraft back in the day. And um, I, it's, it's been so long and I've heard, you know, I, there's just been tons of things changed since then. And I just wanted to, to get back in there and, and see if I could level my old, uh, level the old character I, I used to have, a rogue uh, from level one and and see how far I get because before I just uh, lose interest or something like that. And man, they've changed a lot in that game. I I don't think Billy has actually ever played World of Warcraft, but I know <laughs> Jeremy P is was a big World of Warcraft fan just like me. So um, when when did you actually stop playing? Uh, I didn't make it much past where you did. So if you if you level capped at eighty, it means you made it to the Ice Crown expansion uh, with the Lich King. And I got to the one after that. I got through Cataclysm, which raised the level cap to eighty five. And kind of rebuilt the old world, which I thought was really cool. But otherwise, um, you know, I got into a raiding group that was fairly serious for the the Ice Crown time frame. And then <laughs> I just lost interest completely. It's too much time and effort for me to, to make that happen. It was, it was a uh, once we, we had a kid and all of a sudden I couldn't do five nights a week with these guys. They weren't very understanding. So I decided I was done. Yeah, I didn't even make it to uh, to Cataclysm. I, I I know this asshole over here is just laughing his ass off because he doesn't understand what the hell we're talking about. I, I, I feel like I feel like somebody's girlfriend that doesn't play video games, <laughs> <laughs> and he's got his and, and and my significant other's buddies are over and they're discussing things. I tell I, I have no room to really say anything, but I don't know why I've looked down on this. I don't know why. But I, I told you guys I don't play. I don't play because I, I think little of it. I just know what it would do to me. I, I'm I'm fairly certain it it would it would suck me right in. But yeah, but yeah, uh, you guys have uh, d- discussed it over our little group chat, and I'm just I, I just sit there and I look at it. I think well, this I, I guess it's impressive. There's a lot of talk of level 80s. I think there's a Death Knight that's level 80. Yeah. And I remember Jeremy P. has a chamois that's 80. <laughs> oh, it's and, very there, and there was talk of one Nelf who is not Horde. And uh, <laughs> I said, all right, guys. Well, we probably should have kept that to a private conversation. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm glad we bored you. But you yet memorized almost everything we had talked about. It, it's because, a game definitely that's Because it. I'm almost ashamed of how 
intrigued I'm becoming <laughs> with the more talk of it. I swore I'd never play another one of those games again before Warcraft came out because I got sucked into EverQuest, which is a far worse game for probably three years. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to play any of these again. And then everybody I know was playing World of Warcraft uh, when it was new. And I, I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I lost five years of my life. I mean, I literally played every day. Sometimes I'd work for eight hours, come home and play for ten and like, what am I doing? But uh, yeah, having a kid will change that immediately. Well, hopefully, I guess some people don't. But uh, but it changed immediately for me. I just didn't have time, and and I don't miss that. It felt like it was it was chores. Like there was always a cool when there was something new and cool. It was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. But then um, they introduced dailies, which were missions you could do every day. But if you didn't do them, you didn't earn enough tokens to buy a special hat. And then everyone else in your group had a special hat, and you're you're a loser for not having a special hat. And that's where I lost interest in it completely. And, yeah, I, I didn't quite play it as as much as you did. You know, I didn't get into the rating. I kind of wish I I did, but you know, our guild just wasn't big enough to do the um, the forty man raids again. That was uh, back when I played. I guess it doesn't exist now. Um, but I, I just kind of missed it. You know, I played it so much back then that you, you kind of get this weird nostalgia for wanting to go back to it and and just see um, what all's changed and everything. It's almost like a you know, a, a guy that went to college for three years and then dropped out and, and then about 10 years later, he wants to go back and and uh, see what he missed out or, you know, get that degree. And, uh, you know, you're, you're walking up into that college with your, your Nike black tops and your bleached jean coat or whatever. And and then you you quickly realize just how out of it you are with everything. So so, so essentially playing this World of Warcraft is like watching an 80s comedy. I, yeah, I mean that's that's basically when it came out, I think. But it's uh, it, it really does feel like I just uh, I, I walked into this and I have no clue what's going on anymore. I, talent trees don't exist. Uh, that, you know, it's crazy. You go in there and you're like, hey, you know, I'm going to do a a twenty thirty uh, fifteen build or something, and and they're just like, what the fuck are you talking about, old man? You know that <laughs> that doesn't even exist anymore. I'm just like, what are you talking about? And and all the the kids are running around talking about their glyphs now and. I don't even know what glyphs are. So I I just, you know, I got my cool um, baby penguin pet that I used to have. I, I think that's basically all I've got. I don't know what, what to do in, in World of Warcraft anymore. So I just, I run around in the beginning area with my uh, my baby penguin pet. I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm laughing about it now. But pretty soon we're going to be uh, arranging our recordings around my raid schedule. It'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. Trust me. If you get into it, it there's no way to avoid it. You'll you'll go full in. It'll get your oh. it hooks in you immediately. Um, I I thankfully did not reinstall World of Warcraft. Rose would not be recording this. You guys would be doing it on your own because I would have vanished. Uh, so instead, I've been playing. Uh, you know, again, some more Persona. Again, not that exciting. I did finish Affordable fa- Space Adventures since last time. That makes what four games this year I finished. I'm very excited about that. Look out for this guy. Uh, but then I. I I realized that the Mega Man Legacy Collection for the 3DS was only $10. So it's Mega Man 1 through 6, the Nintendo versions, uh, for $10. And I kept saying, oh, I don't need that for $10. And then a piece of me was like, Jeremy, if you were if you were 13 right now and someone would have told you you could get all six Nintendo Mega Mans for $10, you would kill someone for that game for $10 to get it. And And I admit that... Uh, I, I just couldn't resist it. I was, I was bored. I was looking for something to do, and I was like, I'm going to play Mega Man 1 through 6 in order. So I'm doing that now with the Mega Man Legacy Collection. I've already finished Mega Man 1. I'm, uh, I'm at the Wily stages for Mega Man 2, and uh, it does not have 8, so Jeremy's not going to be interested. But I've been no, playing no, no. nothing but Mega Man. 
Well, the best thing is it has two, and that you know that's the superior Mega Man. Well, game. two is two is definitely the the biggest and the the one that I'd say is the most impressive. If you you know when you were playing them when they were new, Mega Man one was cool, but it was kind of unknown at the time, and it wasn't as impressive as two. Two came out and it was mind blowing. You had giant. Uh, cartoon-looking bosses like that dragon towards the end, and, and, and there was nothing like that on the system. So it, it still holds up really well. All the games are super fun. I've tried a little bit of each one, and then I realized I wasn't getting anywhere because I wasn't focused, so now I'm just shooting through them in order. Uh, and you can probably follow me on Twitter because I have nothing else to post on Twitter, so very exciting there. Uh, Billy, what have you been playing? Oh, I, I finished Uncharted 4, and I'll tell you, that game... Uh, anybody that if you're a fan of the uncharted series you've got to get a hold of that one that is one of the probably one of the better games i have played so far this year uh outstanding ending to it also i won't say anything on it other than i was i was blown away by it uh the direction they seem to be taking things in uh god damn one of the best looking games i i found myself just taking random screen caps of it uh, just just to save that I have come back to look at again. Uh, but other than that, you know, I, got, I had to get that out of the way, and I'm going to have to play through again because I, I started to do that thing, and I, unfortunately I do it in all the Uncharted games, where when I know it's winding down, I kind of just start to run and gun through the thing and just hurry through. And there's so much to see, and, and there's so much I know I probably that I probably missed. Uh, that I, I'm definitely going to go through again, but that Overwatch has just—it's taken right hold of me, and I, I can't stop playing. I can't stop opening those boxes, uh, and I, I've gotten some some nice stuff out of those boxes recently. I got the, the Riverboat Gambler skin for the cowboy on there. I was very thrilled with that. That may be my <laughs> top accomplishment in video games this year. Uh, but yeah, I, it's it's very enjoyable. Uh, I, played with uh jeremy a little bit i i and it's team based and this one it has to be a team effort and that's the one trouble i've encountered uh one man can't really go through uh in call of duty i mean you see a guy you know one guy goes 40 and one and can carry the team one person no matter how good cannot carry a team on here so i've found that it's absolutely crucial to fill your your team of six up with as many people as you know, just to, to maximize the, the good times. Yeah, because uh, we were playing last night and, you know, I had uh, me and, and you and my girlfriend and, and uh, a friend of mine and, and a, a friend of yours were, was mm -hmm. playing. And, you know, we had almost a full team. There was only that one person out. But even that one person was so bad that you could instantly tell that they were actually dragging the rest of the team down with the decisions and, and the yeah. stupid thing, stuff they were trying to do, that it, it's maddening. Because it, you really have to have everybody on, on the team at least you know, attempting to do the, the, the team-based thing. Mm -hmm. you know, if it's payload or whatever, you need to stay on it. If it's a defense or attack, you need to be in the zone and not just trying to run off and, and do Call of Duty-style shit. So it enrages me like no other game can when I just see somebody on our team not even attempting to, to play this team-based shooter like a team-based shooter. Uh, and, and last night I almost came pretty damn close to throwing my controller after one of those matches because I just, I just wanted to strangle that, that kid mm. who was on our team. It just <laughs> killed me. 
Yeah, and, and it's evident. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, this game, it has, I think one of the things that, Ray, oh, this one got me heated. I, I actually stood up at one point in time <laughs> to <laughs> to express my displeasure. Usually I just do it while seated. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you have your control points on there like any other game of that type. And, and you know, and when you're losing that control point, uh, when they've got, you know, five guys on it and I'm down there by myself, you know, because everybody just got wiped out. Uh, nobody is going to make it there to help me in time. And I'm standing there trying to keep it down. And I find this guy is still off in the distance sniping. You know, your sniping hasn't worked. If if we're about to lose this point, there's five of them on there. You're not hitting a lot of guys. J- just come on down. Join me down here. Let's try to take a stand. But, but yeah, but I mean, it, it's five people was... Still a lot of fun, and I think once we dropped that guy and moved along, we did fine. Uh, if you can get a full team on that thing, uh, it's probably one of the more enjoyable experiences you can have right now. Well, it sounds like that game. I, I don't play it. Everyone else I know is playing it. I'm going to have to get into it. Uh, I do have to say, Billy, if you're into collecting random loot crates, you should not start World of Warcraft. You're, you're uh, gonna, there's so that's... many things you can collect and ridiculous garbage that is totally pointless, uh, but yet you'll want every single one of them, And uh, so don't get started. But speaking of magic, let's talk about this week's game, <laughs> Young Merlin for the Super Nintendo. This is some dark magic right here that got worked on to us. But I, I do want to say before we get started, no matter what we say about this game, this was a, uh, a, this a, a user or listener submitted uh, request, and I just uh, am thrilled we're actually getting those now, uh, and we're getting around to them. And anybody else that might have a request for a game, uh, you know, fitting in our time frame uh, that you want to uh, that you want us to play, send it along. We'd be more than happy to to entertain it yeah anything up to and including the nintendo 64 so you know nothing on the the ps2 or dreamcast or any of the later systems but those earlier systems definitely we uh you know again no matter what we say about this game the fact that i had never played this before and none of us really had any kind of previous notions about what we thought of the game i think this might be my favorite game we've played so far just for that reason not as a game to play but just for that purpose i've enjoyed these uh this two-week frame to play this so this game is, it came out in 1994 for the Super Nintendo. It's a, I want to say it's the, the Super Nintendo version of an adventure game. The Super Nintendo version of if you, you really want to make King's Quest for a console, this is what you'd have to do, which is you take the, the same ideas in one of those games, just find items across the landscape and use them to solve puzzles. But then you've also got to add in some action scenes and some action pieces or else you're not going to hold the console attention span. I, that's my only logic for why they put the game together like this because there there definitely were already adventure games on consoles. I mean, on the, the original Nintendo, you had Maniac Mansion, which is a straight adventure, like, puzzle-solving action game and one of the best games on the system. This one tries to do that. It tries to have some puzzles that make little to no sense at times, uh, but then it adds in a bunch of action scenes to kind of tie it all together. Is that a good description of what this game was? 
Yeah, I mean, this is basically just an action RPG, uh, the you know, a, a very basic action RPG with uh, an inventory system and uh, a lot of uh, puzzle solving. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a I could see this as a point and click type game, uh, very reminiscent of several of the the early point and click games I played. Uh, you know, with the with the big inventory uh, and all that. Uh, more mine carts though. The most point and click games I've played, which is too many minecarts, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, we'll get to all those things. Um, so the game starts, and you're Merlin. And again, if you don't have the manual, and we're assuming most people who are finding this in 2016 probably didn't find a boxed copy with a manual. So the game starts, and you see who you assume is Merlin walk out of his house, sees a woman kind of stuck in the in the in the river drowning. He goes to save her, jumps in. And somehow he just he, he manages to not be able to swim, drowns, and ends up on the shore of a magical land. And that's where the game starts. There's no further direction on what you're supposed to do, what your, what your objective is. It's kind of a, here you are, now figure out what to do. And even with the manual, which I did, I did go and find a PDF version of, it doesn't really explain a lot more as to what you're supposed to be doing. Um, which I kind of like. I like the idea that you don't know what you're supposed to do, but... Because this is an, a, a puzzle game, for the first few items you find, it kind of tells you what to do, sort of by giving you arrows, and, and, and there's little signs that are laying on the ground as far as, like, you, you know, you, you, when you first land in this world, you find a, uh, I think it's a red gem. It's a gem of some sort, and if you don't do anything for a minute, it'll, it'll point towards this lake, and you go to the, towards the lake, and you use the gem, and, hey, I threw the gem in the lake, and all of a sudden, something happens. The lake shoots a rainbow out, and now I've got some sort of star that I can shoot at things. Um, it, it's a lot of puzzles like that. If you didn't have the manual to explain anything as far as what the items do, it seems like most of the puzzles in this game are try everything you have and maybe things will work, but most likely it, it won't make any sense when it finally does. Now, do you guys, uh, how do you, do you feel about that style uh, of play? Because I, I took, after I had finished, uh, I, I kind of read a few, you know, other reviews, uh, and looked at comments on videos, and some people enjoy that. Some people enjoy, you know, I have these vague items. Somewhere out in the world, this does something. I'm going to keep trying till I get it right. Uh, it is not my thing. Um, and it quickly became a, a, a point of frustration. But do you guys, do you, do you have any positive feelings about that kind of gameplay? I mean, I, I could enjoy that in the right kind of game. I, I definitely have before. But when it's like this, in, in, uh, especially these old adventure games where you're just literally trying everything in your, your inventory on everything on the scene, uh, I'd, I'd never enjoy that at all. I know there's a lot, a lot of people that really enjoy those classic uh, adventure games like the LucasArts ones, uh, the Sierra adventure games. Um, and, you know, that's, that's just what they grew up with. So, they're, they're, you know, they kind of got used to doing that. But I never did. I didn't play those games. I mostly just grew up on the NES and... Uh, platformers and, and crap like that. So when um, <laughs> games like this, I, I just did not have the patience for because I I wanted it to keep moving. I didn't just want to sit there and, and try everything over and over and over again. I was one of those kids. I played loads of graphic adventures. I also liked the, the text-based, like the Infocom games, the Zorks and such. And, and so the idea of taking a random item, not a random item, but an item you find, and therefore it has to have a use, is fine with me. I, I like those kind of games. The, in fact, the puzzle parts of this game, I actually enjoyed pretty thoroughly. It's just that there were some items that would make 
n- no real sense as to why they work the way they do. Again, in a few cases, and I'll get to that in a second, if you had the manual, it actually says, you use this item to do this. And otherwise, you never would have known possibly what the item is because there's no names on anything. It's just a, an image. So a, a good example is you find later on it looks like a stick with a circle on the end. And I didn't know what it was. I wasn't sure if it's supposed to be like a net that you just can't see the net because it's Super Nintendo level graphics and it's just a little item in your inventory. Was it supposed to be uh, like a bad, a very, very badly drawn lasso? What is this thing supposed to be? Well, it's, it's a bubble wand. Like what you, you know, you put in bubble solution and blow bubbles. And again, what would you do with a bubble wand? You do it a couple times and it shoots bubbles in front of you and it doesn't seem to do anything of value. Uh, and then there's one spot where you, you run into a bunch of, they look like tiny miniature dwarves. And they, they run around and they keep let, like kicking you in the shins and you can't get past them. And you use the bubbles on them and they'll get sucked into the bubbles and float off the screen. Now, you never would have thought, except that you only have like six items at this point, but you wouldn't have thought logically, I'll blow bubbles at dwarves until they float off the screen. That, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But the manual actually says, use this wand, you will use it to attack the dwarflings. And you're like, well, that is... That with the manual, I could have gotten through some of the things I looked up ahead of time. Yeah. You know, once I got to them, because I just gave up in pure frustration. And you and you know the trouble with that is, and nowadays, yeah, you can find a manual online. But you know, if you were a kid and you rented this thing, you know, at the best my video store did, they photocopied half the half a page from the instruction book on the back of the box. So I mean, you're not having any manual of any sort, and you can't go online. I. Uh, I don't know how far I would have made it. Uh, I'll tell you when I got hung up. I got hung up early on. This may have been the third or fourth item. It's a balloon. And and when you use it, it, you blow yourself up. Uh, But you just kind of blow up into a ball for a minute, and then you come back down. It took me forever to realize that when I I go into the the first time into the mines, uh, there are some ladders that are broken, which I couldn't tell that I could go. I couldn't tell that I could go up. At that point, I didn't know this was something I could travel up. You have to use it right there in that particular spot, and it will float you all the way up that broken ladder up to the next area. And it took forever using that. I, I wandered around, maybe a good 45 minutes, trying to figure out what do I do next. And this was, I mean, this was early on. This is the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes of the game. And that just kind of, that set the tone for me. That, that that set the tone for my experience with this one. Well, even when you want to use it for that, even if you know to use it for that, you have to be standing in a very specific spot mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. ladder for it to even activate to float you up. So you could be standing at the bottom of that ladder, and, and I did this myself, <clears throat> use it several times, and you just kind of stand there. But you have to be the, at this very specific little uh, edge of the ladder for it to finally send you up to the top. And uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy because i'm, I'm kind of like you because um i think i've mentioned this before my video store when i was a kid just threw the the instructions out as soon as they got a new game the instructions were gone um i don't know why because they're assholes but i uh, i remember seeing this at my video store and almost rented it a few times because it looks you know it kind of looks like a, a kind of cool action rpg on the back of the box but if i would have got it home without those instructions i think I think I would have maybe wandered around for a half hour to an hour and, and just put it back in the box and took it home because or took it back to the uh, the video store because I just no way, no way I would have ever figured out even like the maybe maybe I would have figured out the first few things. But after that, there's no way. 
it's it's interesting that we're coming at this from two very different angles. So, the the game itself, you know, there's kind of a, an overworld connected map. It's not a bunch of individual screens as much as it is, um, you know, a continuous overworld map that you can, you know, the puzzles are what's stopping you from going to the next section, like a Metroid style game. But the overhead, it's an overhead view, like a a later Zelda game, kind of a two D flat, but you can go in and out of the screen. You um, use different items to get by different obstacles, and there is action to it. I mean, once you get that star shooter, uh, the very next section there are these, uh, like the the tiny dwarves form together into like these pig things that walk back and forth across the screen. They're, they're very slow. They don't do much, but you can kill them and get uh, random pickups that give you more life, uh, you know, fill up your life bar or, or give you shamrocks that do random things if you earn enough shamrocks. So it has this action sense to it, along with the part that you find items and use them to get through. I personally liked the the puzzle parts, even if they didn't make a whole lot of sense. That kind of game is very appealing to me. I didn't care for any of the action parts of this game at all, and I, I assume you guys maybe liked it a little more than that. I could I could deal with the action parts. I mean, it's not anything amazing. It's it's not even close to something like Zelda, but you know, it, it at least broke up the action a little bit and. Uh, even though it was it was kind of clunky. Yeah, I mean, I, I could stand those parts. It wasn't well well done by any means, but uh, it wasn't anything too horribly offensive. I, I think I actually did prefer the action parts. Doesn't mean I would want the game to you know to have more of that in it. I think that you know the puzzle aspect was was good. I just didn't think it was implemented. Um, that well but i mean there's a lot of good things to say about this game i thought you know for super nintendo this was a uh, great looking game uh, and i also uh, you won't have any shortage of music to pick from for this one i thought it was a pretty good sounding game also i i didn't think the music sounded bad but i think that a lot of the clips were short enough especially if you were frustrated that you're going to drive yourself insane hearing <laughs> that same 13 second clip over and over again the main overworld theme that they use for the starting area you're in is is I mean, it's again, it's totally fine, and it's supposed to kind of sound just like, oh, it's calm wilderness, but it's almost insulting you when you can't figure out the most basic puzzle involving a uh, a bubble blower and some dwarves. It's just the word, that's the music it's going to get to you at that point. Speaking of of the the good things, um, I thought that the the fact that you had to do you could go kind of anywhere. Um, the first place you go after you figure out kind of what you're supposed to do, you go through the starting area to just kind of get that shooter and get an idea of what your overall you know the way the game kind of feels. Then you're sent to the mines, and the mines are more of an action sequence, which is why I didn't care for them at first till I figured out you're supposed to freeze everything. Uh, you freeze. You, you get a, a bag that freezes things along with your star to make combat much easier. Um, and then you, you have to, the mine is a giant maze, and you've got to figure out in this giant maze how to get to a part where there's a mine cart. Now the mine cart itself, you have to. It's a puzzle. You have to find out how to get a wheel for the mine cart, and you have to find a wrench from this other place, and you've got to go back and forth or cross from the mines back to the main area. 
and back to the mines and back to the main area. And eventually you'll get this minecart going. And at that point, I didn't mind the backtracking that much because going from the mines to the starting area was not a huge deal. But once you get that minecart, <laughs> to get anywhere you want to go outside of those two starting areas probably involves riding a minecart. And it's not just, a, oh, you get on the minecart and all of a sudden you're at the place or you can even watch like a little scene where you ride around your minecart. Instead, they're all action scenes where you have to, to pick the right path on the minecart to get to where you want to go. And, and 9 out of 10 times, you pick the wrong way, you die. And it restarts the whole minecart section. Again, it could be worse. You could start you back at the last real checkpoint or at the last time you saved or whatever the deal is. Thankfully, you start right at the beginning of that minecart section. But it ended up for me being nonstop memorization. Like I couldn't, I wasn't good enough at these minecart sections because it moved fast enough that I wasn't able to really kind of figure out where I was supposed to go, what I was supposed to do, you know, oh, am I supposed to turn here or not? And by the time you figure it out, you shouldn't have gone the right place. You're driving right towards a wall. Did anyone else have the same problems I had with the minecarts? Because honestly, oh. for every minecart section, after about 10 minutes of just frustration, I looked up a video of the solution and just wrote it down because I wasn't uh, going to spend more time on it. That was the exact uh, solution that I had. I had the, the same problem. And I just, I just got incredibly frustrated. And it's not just that. I did not know at first the sheer amount of times, the sheer frequency I would be spending with that minecart. Uh, this isn't one trip on the minecart. It isn't a couple of trips. Uh, you're going to be going back and forth to these mines a lot. And, and yeah, I eventually, I tried to get through the games. Yeah, I tried to play them like I would have played them back at the time. You know, kind of limited... Uh, help as far as looking online or anything like that. Uh, this is one of the very few episodes where the game we were playing, uh, just to continue, just to, to keep the will to continue on, I had to look this one up. I would like to congratulate our boy uh, Bjorn, the, the one that recommended this game, because if oh, yeah. he made it through this game without, you know, this was back then where you didn't have the internet and such. If you made it through this game, Including all of these minecart stages without any help, I applaud you because yeah. these minecart stages are some of the worst things <laughs> I've ever played in a game. <laughs> and I cannot, uh, the first one that came up, I was like, oh, you know what? This is kind of neat. You know, what are we doing here? You know, just, and, and then I ran into a wall instantly and I ran into a wall again the next try. And I, it, it continued that way. For a dozen or so times until I just got to the point like you guys and looked it up and, and saw which way I needed to go. I cannot imagine anyone memorizing this entire maze of minecart uh, paths that you have to take. It's insane. I mean, they're not short. It's not just a few different turns here and there. It is uh, dozens or more paths that you have to memorize in some of those uh, to end up where you need to go. It's, it's crazy. It's infuriating. Yep. It, it, it is it, the most <laughs> frustrating piece of, of gaming we've played in, in what, this episode 27? In 27 episodes, I can think of nothing I got more frustrated about, other than you guys making fun of my picks, than this minecart section. The minecarts were... If I wouldn't have had save states and a video to get through them, I would have never gotten through the second minecart set. The first one was long, but I was able to figure it out. But the second one, uh, which is also when I was like, oh, great, more minecart just the scale of how big that mine was just 
I, I almost just gave up in frustration and sadness. I could not get myself to focus enough on these minecarts. That was my other problem with the minecarts. Like, if they would have, have zoomed out in any way so you could see more of the minecart, maybe I would have liked, or more of the mine shaft and, and the area, maybe I would have liked it a little more, but instead, they never zoom out from the same view the entire game. And so for a scale to make this Minecraft seem, you know, mine, Minecraft, minecart seem like <laughs> it was... It was a long minecart. It goes a long distance. You know, you can only see about, what, 20 feet, arguably, in front of you. Yeah. Uh, and, and at that point, if you haven't already decided you want to turn left or right, you're probably not going to make that turn. You're going to go right past the turn you need to make and right into a, a hole or a, a, a part of the track that's broken or a wall. I mean, I just, it was, I had to just kind of die over and over and over again on these sections until I could say, okay, I know if I go left, right, left, right, here's a longer set of track. And I'll do that every time until I figure out that's the wrong way. And I, I just... I, I never would have gotten through those sections. And there's you know, those, the, the little parts on the track itself that's missing. So like I would memorize which turn I needed to go, but then I would forget that there's these little chunks of track that's not there. So you have to actually like um, lean your, your uh, mine cart one way or the other to get past them. And I would hit them every single time. Yeah, and you know, and the thing, it's not just how frustrating it is, but the time I was playing, I was like, uh, this is young Merlin. And Merlin conjures an image of what what kind of game, what you might expect in a game. And I, I surely didn't think, you know, out of the few hours I spent, I was going to spend half of it on a minecart. I, I thought there would be heavier fantasy elements, uh, maybe some knights, some dragons, something. Uh, not a minecart. I, I just, it just, it seems completely out of place uh, for, for what I had in my head. Now, as a kid, I probably wouldn't care. But now, going into it, I'm just I'm bewildered by the direction they took with this. Well, so you'll, you'll get through the starting area, and you go through the mines, and you figure out you need to, to find the mine cart and make it work again. So you, you go back and forth to get several different items. Then you go through the mines, you ride the mine cart to where it breaks a wall open, and you go on that wall, and you all of a sudden end up in like an underground, undersea grotto, and you're like, yes, a whole new area, I'm underwater, and this is going to be really cool. And it's just another underwater maze. But instead of the difficulty of having dwarves everywhere that are trying to kill you, or mine carts, uh, you only have a very limited air supply, and it's very limited. There are three bubbles that show up on the side of the screen, and, and I'd say within 15 seconds, if you haven't found an air source, you've died. And the oh, only, this, was, this was one of my least favorite. The only thing. air source you're going to have is those mermaids. You'll yeah. find mermaids in these caves, and when you walk up to a cave, a mermaid will come out, and they'll, they'll I guess, blow a air into you despite that mermaids don't breathe air which was a good point you made jeremy but uh, <laughs> but but then the same exact cave image you'll go to another cave and like a fish will pop out that just tra- attacks the crap out of you so you have to guess the right caves to go to to find the air mermaids and still pick the right number of caves you need to get to the end sequence of the underwater section and i guarantee i'm not the only person who did this did you either of you make it to the under the end of the underwater sequence, which is very clearly like a, a light circle that you can tell is supposed to be, oh, there's there's light above where I am. 
and then I couldn't figure out what to do. Yeah, totally. And and I I made it to the end and I died like four times and I thought, I'm I'm not doing something right. I must have missed an item. I must have somehow in the the six screens I can go to, the six areas I can go to, I must have missed something very obvious. So I went back and I I spent all this time going through all the areas I've already been through to try to find an item that I must have missed somewhere. And and it turns out the way you raise yourself up out of the out of the uh, the depths of the sea is that damn balloon again. Fucking balloon. Yep. <laughs> that balloon. The balloon it's that a... does nothing most of the time other than make your character float up in the air in a in like a comical circular manner and then it drops you down to the ground is the the only way in and out of that water section. And you know, and I never would have thought about it because once I used it in the mines, I thought, all right, that's the purpose of this. That is the sole purpose of this item. It is gonna it's gonna be in the mines. It's not gonna come into play again. So yeah, and and it's just it's it's frustrating, especially, I mean, if I was a kid and I was out of school for the summer, if it was right now, you know, years ago, I was out for the summer. All right, I'll, I'll waste an hour. But now, you know, when I've got it, when I've got I've just got home from work, when I have maybe a few hours before I have to go to bed and get back up and go to work, I get frustrated when I've spent about an hour, you know, 45 minutes to an hour trying to figure out what to do only to find out that it's something that simple. And I, I just don't have the mind for that kind of game nowadays, I guess. And uh, and I've got to go back. This underwater thing. One of the things, one of the reasons I could almost not finish a Sonic game was how frantic it becomes. The, the rush for air when it's starting to run out. And any game that has something like that, Mario 64 also, I just, I, I get, you know, my heart starts racing uh, in about in a near sweat. And this one got me again. So I almost had to tap out early on this game. But I made it through. I will say that balloon that gets you out of the water is the only, I guess, you know, puzzle or, or use of an item in this entire game that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's sort because of. Because you're, you're, you're filling yourself up with air to get out. It just makes sense. But everything else, every other item I've used in this game, nothing. Nothing really made sense. Well, if we want to really look into it, how, where are you getting this air from to fill yourself up? underwater i it's kind of the same thing with the mermaids why are they giving me air when when they very clearly breathe water so i don't think young merlin went for the uh the details can we say uh, it's mad it's mad it's magic it's magic yeah, it's all just magic This was the point when I got through the water section. You know, Jeremy, when he first started playing this, and I think you started right before I did, you said, this game certainly does love to backtrack. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized the first few levels, or first few areas, that, yeah, you go from the, the starting area to the mine, back to the starting area to get new item, and go back to the mine to get new item, to take back to the starting area to get new item. The, the big reason you have to backtrack the most is the only way to get new attack powers and half of your items, really, is you find these gems throughout the world, and you take them back to that very starting lake you, you landed into when you started in this area. And you throw it back in the lake, and all of a sudden, the, it, it's the lady of the lake, it turns out, based on the manual. But the lady of the lake will gift you, you know, a new power or a new item when you give her these gems. So you have to, no matter where you are in the game, if you grab a gem, chances are you're not going to get any farther than where you are right now in that area 
without going all the way back. And, and there's no shortcuts. It's all the way back through the underwater. So you, you come out of the underwater cave and you're, you're, you can see there's a, 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 like a dwarf who comes out and sees you from this magic from this other cave. And you can tell that's where you're supposed to go, but there's a, a gap in the way. And you cannot get there because there's a gap in the way. But there is a bright yellow gem. So you get the bright yellow gem. And you go all the way back through the underwater area you just figured out. And you go back through the mines and back to the starting area. And you throw the yellow gem in the lake and you get spring shoes. Uh-huh. And then the spring shoes, you go back to that all the way back through the mines and all the way back through the underwater caverns. And again, you figured out how to go, but it's still the matter that you have to do it. You have to walk that in real time. And you go all the way back to that cave and you jump over with spring shoes and you're like, yes, now I'm in this new puzzle area. And you, you get about three feet into there and there's another, like a blue gem. And you're like, oh, damn it. So you take the blue gem all the way back and it gives you the item you need to go the next step in that room. And it's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in the game where you're like, okay, if, if I could have just had a warp button back to there or if I could have, instead of getting a blue gem, if they would have just given me that item, you could probably get through this whole game in 15 minutes if you knew what you were doing. But it's that backtracking that's in there combined with the fact that they've, they've kind of made it an action game that's a very clunky action game. If it wasn't for this podcast and having a goal to finish this, um, you know, if I bought it, sure, I would have probably plowed through it enough to, to eventually figure it out because you, you, don't, you don't buy a $60 game and not finish it. Um, but if I would have rented this, this would have been a, hey, this was fun after five minutes and gone back to the rental store never to be touched again. This was like someone at Westwood Studios, which is the developer, uh, knew me back as a kid and had <laughs> listened to me complain about every single game that I would rent and, and knew every single pet peeve that I had. And they were like, let's make an entire game out of everything this guy hates. That's it. Let's, we'll, we'll show that little shit some. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, I, hate to, I hate to say it, but man, this game, it just, every little thing it did just got right on my nerves. Because, it, you know, it's got the, um, it's got backtracking, it's got those underwater stages, it's got... Uh, just just you know, the mine cards, everything that you could possibly put into a game that really just ticked off a box of, of something that I do not like in video games, it's here. And uh, once that backtracking really started kicking in, uh, especially that scenario that, that Jeremy P. just talked about, I was done. I was done. I could not do any more of what this game was wanting me to do. Just everything I would come up to, I was like, you know, well, I got through this part, you know, I made it through that minecart stage. What could possibly be worse than that? Oh, here's an underwater stage. Okay. Well, I get through this underwater stage. What could possibly be worse than that? Okay. I got to backtrack all the way to the beginning of the stage. Got through that. What could possibly be worse? Got to backtrack to the very back part of this goddamn stage again. And uh, it it was about at that point, I, I did make it a little bit farther, but I, I just could not do it to myself anymore. Yeah, and I, I, Jeremy P., I think you finished it. I, I did think, finish it. I mean, I, I think this this is one of the rare games where I think just just one of us finished this one. I didn't make it. So how far did you get, Jeremy? You got did you get through the uh, after the underwater maze and you go back and forth and back and forth? Then you have the um, it's it's kind of a fortress where you have to push statues around to to, uh, to to these specific spots to make it so you can open doors. Right. And yeah, then, I got past that part, and okay. then I made it to the, um, I, I guess the rainbow world where oh, it's yeah, just yeah. Um, a bunch of mushrooms and, and rainbows, and everything's kind of oversized. Mm-hmm. And then it introduced yet another pet peeve of mine. It was uh, when you use teleporters 
to teleport around a maze of a stage uh, to try and fi- figure out which teleporters are the correct ones to use. And uh, that was the point where I was like, I can't do this no more. I just, I can't do it. Yeah, we dropped out at the same spot. And I believe we dropped out for the same reason. Well, the teleporters are annoying, and I'm I'm 99% sure. I mean, I didn't bother taking the time to write this down when I was doing it, but I don't think they're consistent. I don't think it's a matter of if you're in one screen and you go to one. It's like you walk into a flower and it zips you up and then it teleports you somewhere else. I don't think it's always the same spot. I think it's when you're teleported, it goes to one of six spots. I don't think it's it's a guaranteed teleport from point A to point B. I think it's just a, here's point A, and you'll get one of the next six spots. So it's it made it even worse because there were parts where you were like, I know I want to go in this teleporter, and you kept going back to the same three screens. You're like, I know there's more screens than this. I've seen them a hundred times before. And you'd have to just keep walking into these teleporters till you eventually got lucky and got the right spots. Yeah, that that's unacceptable. I, the teleporter itself is bad enough, you know, kind of learning where each one goes. But if that is the case, if it's randomized, uh, then yeah, that that's it's a deed even more evil than the minecart in this game. The other part of that, and I don't know if you guys even played with in, in uh, the, the Rainbow Flower Land enough, underneath the Rainbow Flower Land, and there's all these little caves that go there, is uh, essentially an anthill, yeah. uh, a series of mazes that, again, some of that was because they tried to make it look like it's an anthill and kind of craggy caves, there were actually walls you're supposed to walk through and around that you're supposed to see a little gap, and the gap is very, very small. And, I mean, I was playing this on a, on a full-size monitor. I mean, it wasn't like I was playing this on a tiny 13-inch TV or, or somewhere where I, you know, I might not be able to pick up some details. I could see very well what was supposed to be there. And, and it just got to the point in the underground parts where I was just running into walls to see if there was anything I could get through because it was very hard to tell what was supposed to be a wall and what was supposed to be a thin passage. I learned very early that the game likes to do that um, in that uh, the garden maze that I don't think we mentioned um, very early in the game, you have to go through a very large garden maze to find some items. And uh, there were a lot of uh, parts in that, that maze where you just had to walk through the, uh, the, the wall. Uh, no, no idea that you, were, you needed to do that. But I, I kind of figured that one out early on. And, and when I was in that ant maze uh, before I did quit, I was just kind of just walking into every single wall that I could just to see if I could get through. Well, that was something actually I had to do in a number of places before then. If you had the manual and you knew this was, a, you know, what was a, a also a side goal. So aside from the trying to actually finish the game, when the game first came out, there was a contest in the back of the manual, and the contest was if you can find all sixteen life hearts, or I guess it was twelve life hearts because you start with four or something. But if you find all the life hearts in the game, you take a picture of your screen, you send it off, and the first person to do that wins. Uh, I want to say it's like ten thousand dollars. It was it was something pretty substantial. Um, but I couldn't find all the hearts in this game. I looked online for a guide, and I could only find 15. So that 16th heart, wherever it was, must have been crazy hidden. But there were a good number of those extra life hearts that you did have to kind of walk through the corner of the screen where you wouldn't see there's a, a doorway, and you'll kind of fumble around in the darkness till you come out in a little cave, and there's a heart there. Uh, there was a number of those before that, that maze in the... Uh, in the mines, there was a couple hearts that were like that. So I kind of need to look for that. But yes, the plant maze was a little frustrating. Um, I think the that same idea, though, where it wasn't as much a hidden wall, but but it was supposed to be clearly marked as a pathway, but it looked exactly the same as another part that was supposed to clearly be a wall. Like it just it was not designed very well for what it was supposed to do. So from the, the plant area, you'll go back and forth from that plant area back to the area before that with the plant maze uh, because there's a kind of like a, a tree stump on the ground and you keep putting these 
wooden hearts you find on the tree stump and then the tree stump will will have a little piece of ground shoot up and then all those flowers you find flowers throughout the game up to this point uh you'll have to plant certain flowers in these little pieces that shoot up out of the ground to drop you more items so the in, the last most of the part your uh, time you're spending in in uh rainbow flower land is just going through rainbow flower land to find a wooden heart somewhere and then back to this tree stump and then all the way back through wooden heartland to find the next wooden heart and then back to the tree stump Another another set of backtracking, not as annoying as the earlier parts of it, but it was still one of those points where, you know, I was like, I've got to finish this game. I've got to. I'm so close to the end. I've just got to do it. So I got through all the backtracking. There's a fight with a dragon at the end that actually was pretty interesting as far as, I mean, if you had the right items, it was pretty easy, but it was trying to figure out what items to use at the right time. Uh, I enjoyed that fight. And then as soon as he dies, and I'm not kidding you, because I didn't look this up online until after I got through this part. You kill him. What do you think he leaves behind? A jewel. You, you think a jewel? I go all the way back to the beginning. That would have been annoying, but not as annoying as this. He leaves a hole in the ground that you jump into for more minecarts. <laughs> oh, everybody's like, favorite. This, this fucking game. Minecarts. Oh, what, what a way to celebrate a victory. So at that point, I said, I've got to see how much is left in this game. I've got to <laughs> see if I'm anywhere near the end. Is this minecart section going to be short? Is it another long section? It's the end of the game. The end of the game is a huge minecart section. No. And you have to drive in specific paths to find four doors. Behind each door is the bosses you've already fought, or bigger fights you've already fought. So there was like a pig guy you fought earlier that was very easy the first time, who's a little bit harder this time, but still pretty easy. There's the spider that was in the, 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 um, <clears throat> the caverns that were in the anthills. There's a spider that... You know, you, you fight earlier. Again, he's not super hard, but he's back now with a few extra tweaks. But but you can't just go to any door. If you go to the wrong door, it's blocked with a big red ball, and it bounces you back into the minecarts. So uh. you've got you've to go through four minecart sections and four boss fights to get to the last boss Jesus. of the game, who is the Goblin King, who's originally uh, the one you, you, <laughs> who stole the girl that you, you were supposed to go save when you jumped on that lake that everyone forgot about from the beginning of the game because it doesn't really explain why you're there. And his fight is the only fight in the game that I actually was like, this fight, it, it kind of took all the items you, you, you had learned and all the things you've learned, and it made it an interesting fight. But at this end section, I forgot to mention this, at the end section, as you go from boss fight to boss fight, and you have to do it in the right order, by the way, you go to the door to fight the boss, and there's a, an imprint on the door of one of the items you've already earned. And you have to actually give up that item for the rest of the game to fight that boss. And unfortunately, the first item you give away is the best weapon you've earned. So you spend all this time in the game earning better weapons and better ways to fight guys. You have that last weapon, which is a lightning bolt, for literally 45 seconds. And then you give it away <laughs> right after the dragon fight. You earn it right before the dragon. You use it to fight the dragon. And then you give it away immediately after fighting the yeah, dragon. Any other game, I would say that does not make sense. But I'm going to go with it. For this game. Well, it was it was definitely, again, from from the point I first landed in this minecart and knew I had to do the forest boss fight, these four boss fights, I, I said, okay, I'm just going to look up a YouTube. Because if I have to figure out these minecarts, then none of us are going to finish this game. Because I, I knew you guys were a little farther back than me, and I assumed you wouldn't make it through the minecarts because they were really bad. I mean, do, do you have to fight these bosses in the exact same order, or like, can you pick them? No, in... you've got to fight them in the same order. You, you have to go to a certain door. If you go to the wrong door before you're supposed to be there, it bounces you back, and you can't even stop oh, that's the right. minecart. Okay. That's, that's insane. So you fight the four bosses in order. I mean, after each boss, there's a, a character you free from that you've met earlier. So, um, you know, like the, the, the there's... 
the the girl you saved is in there, so you save her, and then all the girl you you saw at the beginning was there, so you save her, and she kisses you, and you get all your life back or whatever. But still, again, think pre emulator, pre you know, I, I use a an, a ton of save states. There's only like six checkpoints of this game, so if you die and give up, like you're like I'm done for the day on this stupid game, and you turn off your Super Nintendo at this end section, the last save point is like before Flower Happy Land. Oh my God. No. So I mean, I, I mean, I think it's mid flower happy land, but still, you'd have to go all the way back there, and then there you have to just nonstop go through this giant minecart section, the four bosses. Eventually, you do finish the Goblin King off. It's a fairly good fight, I have to say, I enjoyed that. And then you get a little scene where everyone's very happy. You save the girl you were chasing. You save the other people from the the town that were captured by all the goblins. Uh, and then a goblin throws a rock on your head, and you wake up outside of your house because it was most likely all a dream. Which is one of the worst endings ever, <laughs> ever. Especially after getting through what I got through, I was just like, "This is infuriating." If I would have spent months on this game, if I would have bought it for sixty bucks, and that was the ending, I might have just thrown it out. I might have just cut that cartridge in half with a saw. <laughs> Again, I, I just want to know if, if uh, Bjorn actually beat this game. Yes, I'd love to find out if he beat this game. He needs to let us know, or if he just picked this game to to torture us with to see if if any of us are crazy enough to make it to the end of of this game. Yeah, I, I wonder. I, I'd like his. I'd like to know his motives also, because as it went along, I thought this guy. You know, I thought he may have liked us, but but after that, I'm not sure. As it went along, I thought maybe he had darker intent. I mean, this we we again we what we do every we tear we tear a game apart, like it or not. I would say that this is not a good game, and I did not necessarily like it, and I will never play it again. But I did like I like puzzle adventure games. Like I, I'm a big fan of you know you mentioned the Sierra games. I love the LucasArts games. I like that, and I think for that aspect on a console, this is a a pretty good attempt to try to do that while still having some action scenes to to appeal to a console audience, I suppose. I don't think they're necessary. I think if they would have cut out all the minecarts, if they would have cut out, you know, some of the the mazes I could live with, but the minecarts and some of the combat you'd have to go through in those mazes was a little irritating. Um, they could have just put, I don't know, something else in there instead. Maybe maybe it was just too short. I don't know, but it's it's got underneath it. I like the concept of these kind of games. It's just mm-hmm. I just don't think that it was ever, you know, again with a few exceptions. I don't think they're good on consoles. I think you need a mouse. I think you need, you know, at least, a, like for the Sierra games, you had to type in commands. And, and you couldn't do that on a console. I mean, Maniac Mansion, uh, we mentioned on Nintendo, was a great game. Amazing. But it's still, uh, you know, very, very frustrating if you weren't sure what to do. And you needed the manual. And you needed the map that it came with because yeah. it gave you some phone numbers to call. It was, you know, that was the area, where, especially the Infocom games. They came with garbage that came in the box that seemed like it was just pointless junk, but really was at some point in the game, it would reference those things. If you didn't have them, you couldn't finish it. That was their attempt at copy protection. But it does not have a place in the <laughs> in the Super Nintendo era uh, to have that kind of level of complexity to a game. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I can't say all bad about this one. Like I said, I thought a lot of the things on the, the presentation side, as far as the graphics, I mean, they were nothing wrong with those. Sound, I thought, was, you know, good also. Uh, and I enjoyed some parts of it. Uh, I'm not against uh, puzzle games, but I, I just felt the you know the deck was stacked against you on this one. Uh, maybe you know if I could if I would have sat down with a, a manual, and I like a good challenge, but you know but 
this was too much. I, I need things spelled out for me. I don't like them all the way spelled out. I need them spelled out just a little bit more uh, as far as a few things on this. And, man, if they could have got rid... I, even just getting rid of the minecarts. If you would have found a clue somewhere in the game that for like before that minecart, like, let's say in the dwarf town, uh, dwarf mines, you're wandering through and all of a sudden you find a piece of paper that has like a bunch of different directions written on yes, it. Yes, yes. And then you exactly. get to the minecart and that was the way through it. Because you don't get to plan out your trip ahead of time because it's not a big enough area viewed to to view the whole map in fact in that first minecart especially you weren't even sure what the point was like yes. there, you got to the you got on the minecart and you're just driving through parts of the mine you've never seen before because you can't access them without the minecart yeah. and and you're not even sure if you're supposed to be finding a cave exit if you're supposed to fly out of the mines and end up in like a new area what are you supposed to do and instead it just drives into a wall and shoots a hole in it where every other time it drives through a hole in the wall and you die horribly so that, you know what are you supposed to do it it, it just was not explained very well um, and that, that's exactly what i'm saying if there was like you said if there was something laying around uh that you know seemed cryptic at the time because maybe it's just a bunch of arrows uh, on a paper but once you get in them then the minds it's like oh okay this makes sense uh but yeah i mean just uh i don't think anybody's asking for their hand to be held throughout the thing but th th i think there were ways to introduce this section where it is not such trial nobody's going to nail this the first time no. Nobody's going to nail this the first ten times. And, and I just think that's unacceptable in a video game. Uh, there is something where you have to die many times to, to get through it. Uh, well, it's not even a matter and, of reflexes or, or anything. Like, again, it's, it's trial and error. There's no yeah. good, there's no clue to what to do. There's no method to the madness there. It's just like, yeah, eventually you'll die enough where you know the right path. And that, that's not enjoyable in any way. No. And, and there, were, there were ways to do it better, I think, but... I mean, but with with what we have, I think it's it's interesting. Uh, it's noteworthy just for what they tried to pull off that kind of game on the Super Nintendo, and and like we've uh, it's been said a few times for them to bring this kind of game to a console. Uh, they, uh, I guess, they did their best with it. I personally think they got a little lazy with all the mines and whatnot, but uh, it's it's an interesting entry in the library. I think it's. I think it definitely could have been a better console game if, if they did a lot of the stuff that, that you guys said, but I just don't think that this kind of game really had its its place on a console. Um, that The audience just, I, I don't, you know, there might have been a few people out there, and, and maybe Bjorn was one of them, that, that really enjoyed this kind of game that you just really didn't get on consoles. Um, but I, it, I just think that this would have been better off on, on a PC and I, I think it's kind of amazing that this is a Super Nintendo exclusive. It wasn't even ported over from the PC or anything else. So to have this 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 style of game made exclusively for the Super NES is uh, it, it just doesn't work for me. I, like I said, it's just a a top ten list of pet peeves that I hate in video games in all in one game. And. I appreciate what they tried to do, and, and anyone that, that really likes the game, it's, it's you know, great. I, I'm always jealous of people that, that like things that I just don't because I, I don't understand how they like them and I want to understand. Um, but, yeah, this, there's just too many things that are just too annoying with this game to, to really make me endear to me or, or like it at all.
Well, next show, we're going to go back to something a little more R-Speed, a little more console style. Uh, we're going to go back to the PlayStation for Gex. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Gex, or at least <laughs> Gex on the, the PS2. I think it was originally a 3DO game, but I can't find a good 3DO emulator. I don't own a 3DO, so we'll play it on the PlayStation. I think that's the right way to do it. I, I think we can tell whose pick this was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think you guys would be surprised. I, I may be eating my words uh, come next podcast, but I think you guys will both be pleasantly surprised. And this is the, the very first Gex. This is not Gex uh, 2 or 3D or whatever the fuck they called the sequel. Um, this is the original side-scrolling 2D Gex uh, with uh, with all the voices you can handle. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. A lot of sound well, clips coming. I'll, I'll tell you, I have... I've, Never played a Gex game at all. This will be my first one going in. So, so we'll see. Well, until then, if you want to uh, to find us on Facebook, please check us out there. Find us on Twitter at Retrovaniacs. Uh, please check us out on YouTube, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>